from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that interviews people who choose the Baha'i faith as a way of life or who have a relationship with the Baha'i faith. If you want information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today, I'm playing a telephone interview with Bruce Randall. Bruce is not a Baha'i. He heard my program on Valley Free Radio and contacted me with an interesting proposal. What if we do an interview with someone who is not a Baha'i and has questions about the Baha'i faith? I thought this was an interesting idea, so I went along with it. It turned out to be a wonderful experience. I started the interview by asking Bruce to introduce himself to us. Well, part of the challenge of answering the question of who I am is how we got here because the typical short question or when you have a short amount of time is sort of what do you do another part of that too can be maybe your your faith although that's not always the first one and i've always stumbled or at least certainly of late on the first one what do you do because i had a a career that i'm not proud of and then engineering that i did was part of the military industrial complex Mm-hmm. And so I'm in a transition trying to find something that's more to my values and more fulfilling. So in a sense, I'm sort of uh, treading water, but uh, just the explanation I've given you so far, and I haven't even come to an answer of what I do, uh, was a stumbling block where I thought, well, if I can't do very well on that one, at least perhaps I can give people a perspective on me by a certain religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought me to looking at different religions for one that I could say, as one of my good friends does, that, well, as far as that, I'm probably more of a Baha'i. Uh, and then I, I found out in further talking to him that he's really not in a lot of ways. Or, well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, what he really said more honestly is that he probably follows mostly the Baha'i perspective in terms of his spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have something like that, and that was a natural one, both because of my respect for him. That's Jim Harrison, East Lameto, who does a, a musician and a number of other things, in case anybody's interested in his work, and he's done a couple of CDs, but uh, quite a spiritual and peaceful person. Was that your first introduction to the Baha'i faith, was through Jim Harris? No, and unfortunately, the, I, it's hard for me to answer the question, my first introduction, because as with so many people, um, it was probably in college when I finally got to come across a diversity of cultures. But even then, I don't recall it distinctly, nor the many times throughout, but it was always associated to me with something with a bit of a mystery to it because of not having a, a large following and because any time that anybody came close to trying to explain it, it, it didn't seem, it didn't wasn't very easy, which intrigued me. Uh, of late, but in, in the beginning, it just it was. I found it uh, off-putting because of my 
I wasn't a very deep person then. I was uh, more shallow, and I guess I talked about my you know, a career that wasn't really consistent with my values, although perhaps more accurately, I didn't really have a, a solidified set of values. I know that people have you know, joked about how men are boys until they're in their 40s or so, mm-hmm. and I think that's what it took for me, or at least the 30s, or after I had our first, well, our only daughter. You sort of feel like maybe you just went through your career sort of unconsciously and then at some point became aware of the conflict between what you were doing and some awareness of self. Yes, that's exactly right. I went through, it was not a distinct epiphany, but not as compressed as what might be combat, but yes, definitely a a definite uh, realization of the disparity between what a, a whole person could be and, and what I was doing, and especially for what the whole person of me would be. And that led me to seeking uh, out who I was and then trying to label it for people so that we could get a faster to the things that really mattered once you narrow it down. And you kind of want to do that. You know, I know we for better or for worse, we do it you know, visually. If we're seeing each other or, or we're hearing each other, we're starting to develop a picture. I think if you have much depth, you want to carry it further to really know a person of how what's the authentic them. And I didn't have one, and then I started to get one, and I wanted to be able to um, give it some label. I also I got wrapped up in um, really no religions for a long time when I didn't have much of a value system, but then after our daughter was born, involved in the UCC, which stands, as probably most of the listeners know, for United Church of Christ, and it's a fine organization, but I found after a while it wasn't really the right approach, and then I ended up looking at a Unitarian Universalist, which has a local chapter here. It's in Springfield. I'm actually speaking from a meadow where we live. But I found that, too, there was a joke about, a lot of jokes, I guess, about a lot of religions, but Unitarians, that the only religion they, that's not on there, they don't have, is Unitarian Universalism. You know, they have a mix of all the other ones. So I found it's, and I recommend it, too, for people as what I'm using it for is sort of a, a holding tank. And, and I think there is a, a lot of consistency between what values they do have and Baha'i. But more than that, it and I, I'm not sure how much Baha'i is like this, is one that is part of its, I don't want to use it, edict, but its uh, mission is that people are responsible for their own spiritual, uh, as well, other ways, but mostly, of course, it's a spiritual organization, but their own spiritual growth, and took that on. I think that's one of their, might be seven principles, but and I, and I took that on, as I think I had at the UCC, although that didn't seem to be quite so strongly a part of their mission, more so than some of the more programmatical Christian religions, which I certainly avoided, and where my wife went away from with Catholicism, so that was a, a good movement for her, but I, I don't want to say I've gone beyond her, but I have gone to where I want to keep exploring and not get bound up in a certain book or a certain, especially not a hierarchical arrangement, that's in some of the Christian church, not really in the UCC. 
so at the UU, I, I started to look more that liberal Christianity was was of interest, uh, and I also looked into um, you know thought about atheism or agnosticism, and I didn't like those because there's a negative connotation to them where they're more of a description of of something you're not or something you're against, and I'm hesitant to be in that negative or against. So I still was searching, and I ended up coming across Baha'i partly from recollection of many fine people I'd come across who seemed like people who, I, you know, I want to say intelligence level, but whatever level they had, they were certainly mo- most fully utilizing it and really exploring themselves, their relationship with others, and their, and their world. And, all, and then I also, uh, avid listener, uh, and for those who are listening on the radio, you know it's the Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, and, of course, Baha'i Perspective airing on Saturdays from 10 to 11. Uh, but whether you're listening on that slot or online, um, you're probably aware of some of the fine programming there, and I found that one that rose to the top was uh, the Baha'i Sp- Perspective program, which uh, is, a, is a pedestal I can't, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to climb onto, but... Um, well, you're, yeah. a great, you're a great plug. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the regular listeners... Uh, know what what to expect, and it's a good thing because they may look for other shows for more enlightenment. Um, but but seriously, I think that in my development, I I may be really not ready for Baha'i. I may end up there, and because I'm not there, is no um, disparagement of those who are there. I'm I, I'm on a path, and I think that some people whose path is either going through or I don't want to say ended. But is there? I honor and respect. Uh, there's so much about Baha'i um, that is wonderful, and some of which I maybe just I'm not mature, and ready for it. And I honor both the, the people and the commitment that I'm not wanting to dilute the Baha'i tradition with someone who's not that ready. In fact, I'd like to give you an anecdote of an occasion I had this past January when I went to. I'm Hope I'm not butchering the words, but the Tubishvat locally, which either studiers of it or followers of Hebrew know that's a celebration, uh, a minor one in the Jewish calendar, and it was celebrated here in Springfield. I went to an event where there was a fine young lady who stood out. Well, she was an African American. Her name was Karen, so I, I don't know her last name, I, and I wouldn't. I guess I probably shouldn't say it, but I was really impressed by her being there because it had been several decades earlier that she'd actually chosen Judaism. And I thought, if you look along over the whole panoply of people, I mean, there was a whole 60 or 80 people at the event, which was a, you know, sort of their Earth Day event. It's an honoring of nature, although it's a, it's a fairly fluid uh, minor holiday. They, it's different uh, temples used in different ways. But in any case, I looked and I thought, you know, there are people here who have just been born into it or just, you know, honestly, you know, fell into it or, or various ways that that weren't the way she came to it. I think, well, she's, wouldn't that make her uh, more Jewish or, or a following of that faith? I, I bring that up because I think Baha'is, because it is one of the more minor religions, listeners, of course, will know which religion I'm speaking of, where there's one where... You can just uh, make that small statement that says Jesus was my Savior and died for my sins, and suddenly you're in that religion. Well, if it's that easy to get in, 
how useful can it really be and how committed can the people be in it. You can have people come in with whatever values they have, any of them, you know, racism, not believing in a unity of humanity, disrespect for other religions. They're all welcome because the bar is set so low that it's going to twist and conform the organization to them. In fact, that's what I'm a bit drawn to because people might be best off if they've fully explored themselves to know what some of their core values are. And then I start to think, well, if there's a group of people who share some a fairly large group of core values, and I do with the Baha'i, then why not get together? There was where I'm calling back to the agnosticism, atheism I talked about before, that that I think I, I'm willing to accept a certain distinct values. I don't have enough time left at 47 years old that I want to be wishy-washy for too much longer mm-hmm. uh, and someone of nonviolence and of unity of humankind. Well, Bruce, what is your relationship with God? Where I'm coming from is that oh. you seem to have some leanings at some point toward atheism, agnosticism. I guess I'm just trying to get a sense. Are you struggling with the concept of God? Yeah, that's, I think that's perceptive of you. I, I probably am, although I'm not sure other people are or aren't. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if we're better off without that specific terminology. I think that yeah. I probably value human spirituality and your spirituality, especially when I think of maybe their indigenous peoples or others who have a rudimentary or really a lack of a knowledge of a certain god, but they're so much in tune with part of themselves that would have to be really called spirituality. I think it's more of a more of a human or earth-centered than God. And maybe half the listeners are, are thinking, well, yeah, but God is in in and of the earth and of us. Mm-hmm. So, and then another half are, you know, he's not. So, or she, or it. So it's confusing enough that for me, I just want to focus on find it more easy to focus on, on our recognition that there's so much more than what we can tell by the five senses, or, mm-hmm. or plus or minus, that we may or may not have, uh, that there's something beyond us, and maybe even beyond and before and after our lives. Well, certainly the Baha'i Faith has this concept of God being an unknowable essence, but on the same token, the Baha'is definitely have the concept of prayer and communing with God. And I, I wonder where that fits in your paradigm at the moment. Yeah, I guess a unitary God is, is something that is hard for me mm. to embody because it seems so limiting, where God, in my perspective, encompasses all the sounds that can be made, all the sights, all the lights, all the electric energy, anything that ever existed and does and maybe even will if it doesn't already. So when you're praying to that, it's hard it's hard to, to think of how you could focus on something that's so all-encompassing. That's very true. Is, yeah, Maybe that's the 
biggest stumbling block to accepting a Baha'i. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I go too much further, I, I don't know if you or the listeners would be interested in what I did find so valuable about Baha'i, but you go ahead. Yeah, I definitely want to get there eventually, but kind of like this uh, direction we're going in here. Sure. I guess what I wanted to say was that from my perspective, all the things you described that sort of encompass God, to me, I see as manifestations of God's creation, whereas the source I can't conceptualize. It's as if the table is expected to conceptualize who the carpenter was. So, right, this idea of trying to visualize what you're praying to is is an interesting dilemma. To say that for you, it helps you to trace it all back to a, a, a more singular origin. Yeah. Then, and maybe, and I say that partly because maybe in my, my maturity level, we'll eventually reach that point mm-hmm. to where I can do that. And I, and I wonder if not that anybody including myself, would necessarily follow the same path to their realization. But that I wonder if for you that was, which came first, was it the recognition of the immensity of it all and wanting to find an origin, or did you recognize, and I'm not sure how important that is, but no, in either respect, question. perhaps I'm immature enough that I can't, or I'm not, maybe there's a lack of a willingness to trace it to a more finite or distinct origin termed in, in yours, and I can accept that of God, which, you know, I, I don't know if which of that is more accurate than God or the Big Bang, and not, not that God couldn't be the Big Bang or part of it or precipitated it. You take it from there. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, a good, that's a, actually a really good question, because I grew up as a Christian, and not an evangelist Christian, but sort of a conventional Christian. I stopped being involved necessarily in the church. But I at least was raised with the concept of a God that I could pray to, even if it didn't have a it didn't have a form to it necessarily. By the time I ran into the Baha'i faith and became interested in it, which was in high school, I guess I had already accepted sort of the singularity of God that you're referring to. So that wasn't so much an obstacle. What was kept me from becoming Baha'i? was accepting that Baha'u'llah was who he said he was, which was the messenger of God for this day, because there's so many people who kind of say that. So, you know, what makes Baha'u'llah special? What makes him the, any different than maybe other folks that, that say that? And it was once I had realized that through the power of his writings that this was the from my point of view, it was the voice that I heard when I read the Bible, and it was the voice I heard when I became exposed to the Quran. So for me, it was jumping that bridge, not so much with the concept of God, but the concept of another messenger of God after Jesus. Oh, I have utmost uh, respect, and I also want to use the word sympathy, for that perspective, I want to break it up into two things. One is why I feel consistent with that, and number two is your gift to me of how I could bridge that gap or take that step through the readings. But like I said, I want to do first, when you've got a, a recognition, as I think we both share, maybe we've moved, moved past trying to define it, 
um, in a, a sense of the immensity and, and the power beyond us, and uh, and whether it's through a god or, or nature or, or just the immense powers that are out there, uh, which maybe we shared, and then when you conceptualize it or even begin to think you can or know you can't, it's really hard to try and pin it to any finite disciple-type person because how can such a, a frail and devil system a person embody or, or describe something so powerful as that? And that's a gap that's tough to, to make, and I, that's why I have so much, as I said, sympathy or yeah, empathy, I mean, what's the right word, but <laughs> understanding of that being a, a challenge to connect the two. And like I said, the second part being your gift that, to me, put in a friendly way that, that says, you know, you really haven't read your stuff yet and you're on my program, is <laughs> uh, uh, true. And that I'm taking from that as if I haven't a bit from my exposure both to some of the people who are Baha'is, uh, looking at some of that, the writings might um, do as it did for you, make the connection that the Hollow was an accurate transferal, of, there's a better word, but of the, the God uh, that's in our existence. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's not exactly like Baha'u'llah is God in our existence, but just the pure channel in which the word, really it's the word rather than the personage. Mm-hmm. So it's the word that we find that's trans- transformative. There's an analogy that Baha'is have where you have a, a mirror, if you point the mirror in such a way that it reflects the sun, you could actually look at the mirror and say the mirror is God, or the mirror is the sun, if the metaphor is the sun is God. You could look at the mirror and say there's God, but in reality that you can't possibly condense God to a person. Yeah. But there's something about the reflection of the attribute of God so perfectly as a mirror does to the sun, that you could see the reflection of God in the personage. But it's really the word of God, Baha'u'llah's the um, channel in which God reveals his word. So it's really the word that's got this tr- transformative power, in our opinion, rather than the, the personage of Baha'u'llah. Well, that's a wonderful allegory. I also liked when I was looking for a word, your word channel is probably uh, as, as uh, you know, I don't know what I was looking for, but it's good one in describing someone who can take or did uh, take the energy, whatever there is of God, mm-hmm. and to channel it to us. And I love the mirror allegory, uh, making themselves so humble that they reflect none of them but all of that's the sun. But then there's the question, do we need that mirror? Why not look right at the sun or God? Uh, and maybe we can well, talk about that. Yeah, well, that's a very good question. And I think the analogy, if we continue to use that analogy, if one looks directly at the sun, one can be blinded, number one. So if you think of God as being some unknowable, infinite being, the way God expresses his will to his creation is through the medium of the human creation because that's what we can relate to. So we think of these messengers of God as distinct human temples that provide the means in which God can 
communicate his his or her will to us in a way that we can contain it because going directly to the infinite being is beyond the capacity of our finite Warren, I wonder if I just thought of something that, see if this runs across it, is that I am not going to sit down and eat a whole life's worth of food at once because Mm -hmm. that would destroy me, but I am going to eat uh, hopefully about five meals a day, I guess, the Mm -hmm. latest on ideal health, Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to need utensils and plates and Mm -hmm. some way of dividing that whole life's worth of food instead of all at once, like looking at the sun and mm-hmm. burning your eyes out, right. but yet without sun at all, I don't have vitamin D in my yeah, heart. exactly. So would, I wonder if that's true, and I've joked yeah. with friends that, well, they say, what did you do today? Well, I say, I made my bed for the whole week. Well, you know, it's one of those things that you can't do, and, and you can't take God and all his or infiniteness uh, any more than you can eat all your meals in one sitting. And so Baha'u'llah and the Baha'i faith is one, and I have thought if there is such a one, it's pretty close to the best one for describing how to most healthfully consume the spirituality of God. So you've heard the Baha'i faith here and there throughout your life. What was it that made you actually dig a little deeper into investigating what the Baha'i faith was? Because I assume that was fairly recently. Well, yes, Warren. Actually, here again, crediting a Baha'i perspective is one that uh, when I started thinking about what is religion but its people, and, I, and I, of course you've selected people, maybe other than the current <laughs> example, but people who have really done a lot of exploring. I, I remember one program and other listeners might, too, of a fellow who was a uh, priest, I think, or you know, father. He was. Oh, yeah. He renounced his whole life in one moment, uh, basically. Yeah, that was Lou Meyer. Thank you, sure. And how powerful. I'm guessing it probably was when you heard him oh, say gosh, that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, that, because, blew, that blew my mind. Yes, amazing to think that someone has that humility, that modesty to take their training, their career, their relationships. He had a job at the time, not to go over too much of the show, but he was an educator in the Christian field, which he had renounced as well. Yeah, it uh, reflected to me yeah. a level of authenticity. Yes, and that was one of a number of examples, and a more recent one was a woman who started an organization, and uh, maybe you'll fill in the details, but yeah. about abused women. Yeah, that was uh, Laley Maruo Miller, uh, executive director of the Tahare Justice Center. Yes, thank you. I use that example, too, because there's someone who is putting uh, their faith to work. Um, and the example of the priest there is, is one who is so turned by what they learned. Uh, and I, I honor his teaching as misguided as apparently he would say it was since he renounced it. I'm not disparaging him, but is the honor of him turning against all that whole teaching, of the, which must have been a strong body of knowledge, and then to accept this new one of Baha'i. But there was also, I did some uh, research and looking into some of their values, and some of them are, are to me distinct ones that 
I, I wouldn't accept otherwise. Uh, and and I would keep throwing up these sort of tests, like I would say, well, I'm sure they're hierarchical, like some of the religions I've come across. And then I find out, and you'll help me along with this, or maybe, well, I don't know, just do it. <laughs> but as some of the listeners will know, the way that the election is done is there's no campaigning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there's people aren't even uh, really nominated. There's just a quiet period when the organization, uh, the small group, will think in their minds of a person, and then it's, they're anonymously putting names down. And the person who would most fairly, I don't know if we use the word best, but represent Baha'i and that level of thought and lack of punditry or something mm-hmm. uh, goes right up to the top of the organization. I know you and, and you know website can describe it better. But that's but exactly it, correct, Bruce. Thank mm-hmm. you. And it's the value of the Baha'is to respect and to even, to some degree, nurture uh, other religions. I find quite honorable. Um, and I, I don't even think it goes too much against another value that I think I mentioned earlier in the program, about unity, mm-hmm. and but the unity isn't just among people, and it's certainly not just among those who are followers of any one particular religion, but regardless of where they are and pretty much where they're going, a sense of we're all in it together, so that, that unity to me is critical. Uh, anything that's divisive, um, your group all you know, associate with. Right. Uh, so that I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's a strong value. Absolutely. Absolutely, Bruce. In fact, it's really the core fundamental principle mm-hmm. of the Baha'i faith that Baha'u'llah brings for this day and age. I'm sure people have explained to you this concept of progressive revelation. Yes. Okay, where the idea that religion evolves progressively as humanity evolves spiritually. Mm-hmm. And... Today is the day when the core principle here is world unity. And in fact, there's a children's song that goes, um, God is one, man is one, and all the religions agree. Not until we learn these three onenesses will we have world unity. So three fundamental onenesses that we as a people, a world set of people, need to acknowledge is that you know everyone's worshiping the same God, that all the religions are divine in origin. One isn't superior to another because it's, it would be like saying that once you go into fifth grade after graduating from fourth grade, that your fifth grade teacher now is legitimate and your fourth grade teacher is, was never a, a true teacher. So we need to really get it that all the religions are one and we need to unite around that concept. And then the lastly is that humanity is one. Yeah, uh, yeah, great. I don't know if we're ready to leave that one behind, but I did want to mention, too, another tenet is, from my understanding, uh, Warren, on the Baha'i faith, is there, on any of the specific ones, and I did have a couple of issues on, such as should stay married and pretty much avoid alcohol, Mm -hmm. and when I say should and pretty much, what I liked is that there is a strong encouragement towards those objectives but it's not like you'll be cast out. And I like that because it gives the, the whole religion itself a sense of humility that it can't know everyone's situation everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
And so some degree of flexibility uh, there, it seems like they're referring to a set of values more than how they're specifically played out. There's some accuracy to that, you think? Well, first of all, as individual Baha'is, we're not allowed to judge one another. However, when it comes, let's say, to alcohol or these other prohibitions within the Baha'i faith, in a sense it is a goal, but if we find that as individuals we're, having, we're struggling with that goal, it's prudent that we seek assistance in trying to accomplish that and not in a judgmental way. Mm-hmm. So if we find that Baha'is are blatantly not abiding, let's say, by the prohibition of drinking alcohol, such that people get the sense that it's not really a principle of the Baha'i faith not to drink alcohol, we would coach the individual to understand that really it is a fundamental precept of the Baha'i faith And we should be actively working toward accepting that into our lives and and abiding by that principle. It's all about attitude, and it's Mm -hmm. all about not judging one another for one, but also encouraging people to, to strive for these principles that are laid before us, because we really believe that they're good for the individual and they're really good for society. Sure. So it, it's really all about one's attitude toward their fellow man and, and woman. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to leave the alcohol one behind, but to tie it to another one that mm-hmm. I, that it sounds like we can resolve in a similar way, which is the marriage one, because mm-hmm. I've uh, been married, let's see, my daughter's 16, so it's probably 18 years or so, I should know better, no, 19 <laughs> this September. Okay, this is where my wife hopefully is going to the bathroom. She's going to listen. But, um, I will never stop loving my wife. I've cast my lot with hers in so many ways, including having a daughter. Of course, that's somewhat made easier. I don't really plan to stop loving anybody, but in a special way. It was complicated not uh, divorcing, uh, and I suspect this is, like I said, where we're going to tie it to the alcohol, where... You know, it's it's really a recognition of a value because, actually, I'm going to throw in a third one about... Yeah, but before the, you get there, Bruce, I, okay, think, sure. I think it's really important to distinguish the marriage and divorce law versus the alcohol because, in actuality, there's no prohibition against divorce. Mm-hmm. But what it is is that, clearly, the family is the fundamental building block of society. Mm-hmm. But there will be circumstances in which an abusive situation may arise. Mm -hmm. And typically it's the abusive situation could be a man against a woman, typically, Mm -hmm. the strong toward the weak. Mm -hmm. And it's not just to subject one weaker to an oppressor, and there should be some mechanism to protect the weak from the oppressor. So certainly there are legitimate situations in which divorce is allowed. Mm -hmm. So on the other hand, you're clearly correct that there has to be really significant reasons Mm -hmm. why one would want to break up a fundamental building block of civilization. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and, and that's a, that's the part. It's probably then Warren a bit semantic. My issue with that is when I said I was going to bring in politics, that uh, there is a recognition of a, a distancing from spirituality and from sort of what matters between that and, and politics, which I really honor as part of the Baha'i. Yet the political, the state, is the institution that validates marriage and divorce. And so to me that sounds like a, um, uh, you know, hypocrisy is a word, a disjoint there, because I don't necessarily value much of the state, and maybe in particular the one we're, we're living in. I remember hearing an example, since I've been listening to Baha'i Perspective, of a couple who had divorced um, in order so that they would have better financial benefits for it was something about um, health insurance or something, uh, and or or a government package. Um, They still, by all other purposes, were married. Uh, So, But like I said, that might be a semantic, because as long as there's the core value, the core family honoring, and, and as I said in my case, where there won't ever be, even if there's, some a breakup of that of the love and the unity that's brought so much wonderfulness into our lives and in the greater world because of as you said the you know the core value the core, uh, core unit being the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like I said, that's probably yeah, it. Well, I'm not even aware of an interview that I had where such a situation was described. I don't know if you could help me. Oh, remember. I'm sorry. It was a different program. Oh, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. So this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> because it, that would be yeah. Oh, when, I, when I bring that up, I'm, re- I'm just referring to how somewhat uh, farcical uh, the state's intervention into our personal lives or into mm-hmm. love and relationships. And so to refute the possibility of divorce when that's really an institution of the state and the state is something that. Uh, for instance, from my understanding, the Baha'is uh, discourage uh, campaigning for any particular state office candidate, well, for that matter, for Baha'i candidates. And so there is sort of a distancing from the, uh, the state and government and politics that I really honor. But like I said, I, I think I'm getting the feel that there is a sense of what the, the values behind it, and then just using a lexicon of divorce and marriage, yeah. When you're really trying to indicate a, a continuity of family relationships and of and of love, maybe is that true at all? Yeah, I, I'm having a little hard, hard time understanding what you're saying about divorce in the state and the relationship with the Baha'i faith. And I think the interview I had with Laylee Moreau Miller of the Tahare Justice Center really kind of reflected this concept of how you can be involved with your government without getting involved in partisan politics, which we think is antithesis to the whole idea of unity. Mm-hmm. And that is is that she advocates justice, whether it be on Capitol Hill or to the president or whoever, and she doesn't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. She will advocate for the oppressed mm-hmm. to whoever will listen. So she will advocate at the government level, yet not get involved in the partisan bickering that occurs that's so disunifying and I think making our government in a lot of ways dysfunctional. Yes. But 
Maybe you could clarify what you were talking about when you were saying about divorce and the state and that relationship with the Baha'i faith, because it wasn't clear to me. I think your mentioning of that interview is probably a, a great one because it's what's happening is what's espoused is a certain values that are transcending the boundaries of politics or uh, two parties or some of the partisanship that happens, but that you don't necessarily ignore it because you just transcend it with Baha'i and other values that you're, you're trying to advocate for. And so maybe if I can overlay that transcendency answers the question, at least for me, although if, if you're confused, that probably represents some of the listeners, that it doesn't mean that just because you're working with some of the structure that's there that you, you know, value or, or empower it, but that it can be a tool and that you really transcend it in a way and in, in the same way that are similar, that my understanding, the Baha'i, one of the Baha'i tenets is uh, encouraging voting, or not when I say encouraging, you know, I think it, accepting a choice to or not to vote, and they're not discouraging either one or the other. We have a moral, a transcendent background, so you're not going to be supporting any particular candidate that's disunifying, but the voting, because if you don't, that obviates a chance to give a nod to a person who is a unifier. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're going to transcend the system with a set of values that aren't, that's, you can use whatever system or tools to value. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that's much better. Now I, yeah, now I, now I understand what you're, where you're driving at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At some point, and I, you probably have more, but I uh, have a third way in mind. Where I'm at, it's maybe kept me from concentrating on establishing any, for that matter, Baha'i, is that I've been working, in fact, I, I say working, but I've been exploring, in fact, it is with a particular group, it has a bit of an awkward name, locally, uh, CSSG, which stands for Community Self-Sufficiency Gathering, which is a, a group of us who get together, in fact, we're doing it on Sunday, where we're going to gather one member's farm and do a work party of a couple of hours of trying to help set up so that they can be involved in livestock in addition to their agriculture. And then we'll break for a meal together and go over how we're doing and heading towards what I mentioned, the third way. And that's a much longer concept than I could give much more than a cursory view here, which is instead of the, and I also should apologize to probably there's been millions or thousands of other third ways, but uh, in this one, it's a tool for recognizing that the current way, or let's call it the first way, even though I think really ours should be the first, but is of subjugation and wars and just basically outright usurpation of other people's existence to, to in order to support a profligate lifestyle. And I think that a lot of people are starting to turn away from that, which I'm glad to see, but I'm not impressed too much more with what I call, we've been calling a second way, which is one where you don't take away much of the profligacy or the luxury because you think you can support it by biofuels or whatever or, or hybrid cars. And so you, you're still going to have so much of what I don't think is really honest or you know, it's just a matter of time before it evolves back to the first way or it's not really sustainability is what matters. 
and listeners are probably starting to sense that the third way is is it's really simple. It's the basic seventh generation concept where we've heard about, and I say it's simple, but in some ways it's not because instead of holding in one hand an incandescent bulb and in the other a CFL, a compact fluorescent, you're saying, can we really afford to integrate electricity into our lives? And and is that really honest? Can we have metal or, or glass? And it's looking at what are really the core values that we can um, live around and often whether it's in indigenous societies that survived on this land for thousands of generations, obviously are better examples of, of how to do that than ours, which is in a short amount of a, a dozen or half a dozen or so, all but trashed it. And so it's not going to happen. It's, it's, or it's in the end result. There's two things on the third way. One is getting there, and I do ride my bike, but I'm not sure that really met steel and the rubber that's the part of the tire is pneumatic is really going to happen uh, now of course you're going to ride your bike not take your hybrid car you know some people think that the end of it is the hybrid car but maybe those things are going to be all gone so that's where that's where i'm detracted on and i maybe warren then for the listeners that maybe how what you can do with that with with Baha'i, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if it's a it's a tool to help me get there, or if it's the wrong way, or how it encompasses. If you have any feedback, or I can go on. No, this is good, and I think there's a couple of things that come to mind. First is the the Baha'i principle of the the agreement of science and religion, and the other one is this concept of the spiritual evolvement of the human being and of civilization. As you notice that science advances, so too do you notice that the human being or the human civilization, I think, evolves spiritually. No one was talking about climate change 20 years ago. And and science brought to us the realization that the, the earth is warming up and we need to do something about it. So it becomes a rallying call for people's all over the world to realize that they're interdependent. This whole concept of national boundaries is really an archaic concept that's keeping us from solving the problems that we need to solve. And that's why this is the day for world civilization, because the problems that we're presenting with today are world-encompassing. And unless we realize the earth is but one country and mankind its citizens, we are going to be still stumbling around trying to solve these problems as discrete countries and not getting anywhere. So I think that there are many Baha'is that are at various levels in this understanding of the third way that you're talking about. And it, and it, and it, Baha'is are just like everybody else. You're going to find Baha'is at different levels of consciousness, of environmental consciousness. However, they all have the consciousness that the world is one and that's the only way we're going to solve these problems. Mm -hmm. So some people, like yourselves, are more aware of the human impact on the environment and what we can do 
to mitigate the damage that we're doing to this planet and, and what we can do to turn it around. But I don't think abandoning technology is necessarily the road because certainly technology brings with us a lot of unifying capability, the Internet being clearly one of them and telecommunications being another one where even being able to do what we're doing right now, you and I having a conversation over the phone and being able to broadcast that over the airways and then being able to broadcast that worldwide on the Internet is because we have the technology to do it. That, and it also, that, te- that technology also allows us to become more spiritually aware the impact we have on our environment. So somebody listening to this and hearing what you're saying about, yeah, we're driving hybrid cars, but we're still producing the steel and the rubber and we're still not there yet. We're able to raise these people's consciousness by high or not to a higher level of thinking. As a Baha'i, it allows me to be open to all peoples because every single person has something valuable to bring into my life. And to me, being a Baha'i is an integrative force in my life, that I can take what you bring to me in, this, in the whole idea of the third way and, and what, what my daughters made me aware of, this whole concept of my environmental footprint as I become more aware, I have the Baha'i principles to help me along to integrate what I'm learning into what, to me, is the most effective way to bring civilization to where it needs to be. I think it might be a critique of my lamenting quite accurately some of the foibles of the technology and science, and but then taking the wrong step of throwing the the baby out with a bathwater where I've not recognized that evolving together are science and spirituality or religion and that when they are evolving together that we can affect the greater unity through some of the technology that is a part of the spirituality just like you said of us talking together and so the end result may end up without some of the technology but the unity is so important that when we utilize it, we integrate it with it to get there together, we can come to a world that recognizes we are all unified and so that we need to pull together. And I want to say with that, may it be so. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bruce Randall, a listener of Valley Free Radio who provided a perspective from one who is not a Baha'i. For a copy of this and other programs, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
associate therefore in this great human garden even as flowers grow and blend together side by side flowers 
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.